Hi out there. This is Heather Vickery, and you have tuned in to the Brave Files podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Sometimes, no matter how hard we try to hang on, the events in our life spin out of our control. I'm sure you can all identify with that, right? How do we cope when we lose who or what we love the most? What does it mean to actually grieve? Well, this week, writer and writing coach Allison Langer offers insight into how she helps herself heal by helping others. Allison has experienced tremendous loss and is currently battling cancer. And yet this interview is somehow full of life and joy. There's laughter and connection. It's truly a delightful conversation. Allison and I talk about emotions and how they never disappear. So pretending they don't exist causes us way more harm than good. But if you allow yourself to really, truly feel your emotions as they come, they're far less likely to fester. We also talk about the incredible power of helping others, which has a really magical way of widening our worldviews and our perspectives. Oh, and one more thing. Everybody can be a writer. All you have to do is start telling the truth. I hope you love this episode as much as I do. You know what would be really cool? If you joined us in the Brave on Purpose Collective, it's a Facebook group where you can share your brave journey with others because we're all on a journey and each of us approaches it from a very unique perspective, but we can hold space for one another, inspire and encourage one another and learn from one another. That makes us stronger, bolder, and way, way more brave. Follow the link in the show notes or search Brave on Purpose in Facebook, and I look forward to seeing you there. Now here's the show. Fearless, self-reliant, and loyal. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Hey, everybody. This is Heather Vickery. Welcome to this week's episode of the Brave Files podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. We have a really incredible woman with us today. Allison Langer is a Miami native, and she's a photographer, a writer, a single mom to three, and she's a private writing coach, which is cool. We have a lot of writers on. We talk about writing a lot. She teaches memoir writing in prison. That's cool. Did you guys hear me just say that? In prison and has been published in a lot of great, wonderful magazines. We're going to talk about that. Um, her stories and her voice can be heard in her own podcast, which is called Writing Class Radio, something that she co-produces. And she's also currently combating ovarian cancer. So we're just going to roll right into all kinds of brave. I think you're a badass. Allison, welcome to The Brave Files. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. I've really been looking forward to this. First of all, um, I'm fascinated with people who who are writers and coach other people on 
writing. And so just to get that part out of the way and get to all the other really incredible, brave things you've done, what led you down that path? To be honest, when I lost my daughter, um, I was flailing. Okay. And so let's, was this a, a, you, did you lose a, a child or a pregnancy? Not that one's better than the other, but just so we understand. So my, I had twin girls and I, uh, one of them died when she was 16 months old of a congenital heart defect, which oh was an aortic gosh. arch and a vascular ring. It's sort of like an arch from your heart wraps around your esophagus and it was sort of cutting off her breath. And we were onto it. Doctor, my pediatrician had discovered it, the cardiologist, the whole thing. And, and her, her surgery was set up for basically a week before she choked at lunch and went oh straight to the hospital. God. So it was like, and she actually ended up dying on the day she was set to have surgery. Oh my God, Allison. I know. I know. You think you're doing everything right, but life sometimes just has its own plans. But not long after that, I was sort of riding home from the grocery store and heard an advertisement on NPR that there was a writing class. And I was like, oh, I always wanted to write. Maybe this would be a good thing for me. And so I started writing. And my writing teacher ended up being one of my best friends. And obviously, we didn't know each other going into it, but we just we just bonded. And we ended up starting a podcast to help other people who were writing through pain yeah. and um, addiction and anything, trauma, everything. And we've been doing that now. She, she already, you know, obviously she had been teaching for a while, but she sort of helped pull me in. She kept encouraging me to write my truth and my story. And basically in the, the last class, um, this is kind of jumping around a lot, but the last class I took from her, that very first class where we met, I wrote the story of losing my daughter. And really after telling that story, I just realized like I had to get that shame. I had to get the yeah. everything out onto the paper. And then all my stories started coming out. Mm. And I just realized like writing and writing and writing was really helping me work through things and um, allowing me to to rid myself of some of this pain. Yeah. Yes. Writing is so therapeutic in that way. And I know a lot of people have a story in them, but don't either really legitimately don't quite have the writing skill or don't believe that they do. I mean, not everybody is a writer. I they say everybody's a writer, but not everybody is a writer. Um, but everybody can be a storyteller, right? I think. I honestly believe everybody can be a writer. Do you think so? All you need to do is just start telling the truth and tell your story and get out all the junk. Well, I agree with that. Yeah. But it's not always a book. Like, So I have a really good friend who has been writing a memoir. And the stories are incredible, but she's just not skilled at putting those together in a way that's perfectly readable. Like she's written an entire book, but needs some support in how to clean it up and make it something people are going to buy. Oh my God. Everybody needs support. I never send anything out. (laughs) Nothing, nothing goes out without like another eye. You know, that's what I have. Andrea, you know, my co-producer and I, my co-host, and Andrea is the person who was my teacher. Um, yeah, that very that. first writing class, I never send anything out without sending to her first and neither does she. It yeah. doesn't matter how long you've been writing or how many times you've been published. Everyone needs an editor. No, I agree. Well, this one, it was sent to an editor and the editor said, this is not ready for editing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so if you're listening, my friend, I love you. Your book is totally going to get published, but, um, we're going to figure out how to do that. So it's, it's kind of a financial issue at this point for them. Okay. So 
there are my head is spinning. There's so many things. Um, yes, I think writing is so very therapeutic, and I do agree. Everybody has a story, and you get it out, and you get the junk out, and the messy first draft. So you're going through all this. You're losing your daughter, and you also have another child at that was the same age as the daughter you lost that you are raising, right? right. And I also had a son. I had a. I had a. When my my youngest son was three years old when my daughter died. So okay. yeah, I had. I had I had three kids and then I had two. Okay. And how many kids do you have now? I have three. I had another child afterwards. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I had them all via sperm donation. I did them all on, I had all these babies on my own, you know, and I kind of initially went into it thinking, oh, I'll have two kids. And you know how we are when we're idealistic. Yeah. But um, I was 36 and I was like, okay, I'm not in a relationship. I had just ended something with, uh, you know, this guy that I was totally infatuated with, but it it fell apart. And I was like, I am not going through my life without children. It was really important to me. So I decided to have them on my own. I mean, that's amazing. I, I, I had insider knowledge listeners. I knew that. I was about to, I was about to ask about it. Um, that's a big deal all by itself, choosing to have not just one, but many babies on your own without that support. We were joking right before we started recording that um, sometimes you wish you were divorced. I love that you're like, I don't really want to be married, but divorce would be good because then somebody (laughs) else could take the kids sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously I don't know what it feels like to be divorced with children. So I know that that can be a huge pain in the ass. So I don't want to pretend to to know what that feels like, but Jesus, sometimes I just want them out of my hair Yeah. Yeah, as much as I love them. I get that. Where do you live? Where are you located? I'm down in Miami. Okay. All right. Well, so at least they can go outside. Exactly. <laughs> they're old enough now, right? How they're, Are they 14, 12, and 9 now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they can they can get outside a little bit on their own. Um, what was it like for your two surviving children to lose a sibling? What was that process like? And, and do they write? So, you know... They were really young, and I don't know that they remember much. I know that my daughter, I mean, obviously, they were identical. Well, she had a special bond with her sister. They were identical twins. Right. And and there are times. She doesn't like me talking about it. She doesn't like other people knowing about it. It's sort of like this thing, and I'm always urging her to please write about it and please talk about it because shame or hiding things is never, never healthy. Mm -mm. Um. You know, my oldest son tends to have like outbursts of anger. I don't know if that has anything to do with her. Maybe it has something to do with not having a dad. I don't know. I mean, we 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 injure our children without even knowing it just by going through this world. Absolutely. Absolutely we do. I mean, we joke all the time like, "Oh, I wonder what my kids are going to go to therapy for." Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that has to be I mean, just as I, first of all, I cannot imagine losing a child. Um, as the listeners know, I have four daughters and I, I, I mean, I don't know how one survives except if you have other children to survive for. Um, I will say that that's what I thought would be a really good thing. Okay. Let me have another child. Let me try to replace, not replace, but like have something good happen out of something bad. Yeah. And there are days when I'm struggling thinking, like, was that such a good decision? Sure. Um, but it's not – one of my friends is like, why are you even asking yourself that question? He's here. 
everyone's here. Just focus on what is. Sure. Yeah, that doesn't serve you or him or any. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So have you written and published a memoir? No. Oh my gosh. I was just talking to Andrea about that today. <laughs> I, I wrote a, I, I have a manuscript to a novel that I wrote that's based on my experiences in prison. Um, cause I think, as you mentioned, I, I teach writing in prison memoir yeah. writing and I'm just I so talk about that. Yeah. obsessed with the criminal justice system that I, I thought that would be a fun thing to do is to write about that. And it has been, so I'm working that um, manuscript right now, but I want to start writing again. And the next one for sure is going to be a memoir, but like with your friend, I have to find something that people really care about reading. Cause I don't just want to write a journal. I want to write a great memoir. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a difference. I'm obsessed with memoirs. So I'm like, is your book out? Can I get it? I'm, we're currently, as we're recording this folks, it's the, the coronavirus pandemic and we're all on lockdown and I'm like, Oh, I want to read this book. Yeah. So wait, I guess wait, I, tell me, tell me which ones you love. I want to hear your favorite memoirs. Oh, there are so many. There really are so, so, so many. Most recently in the last like year and a half, I've done, I love Sonia Sotomayor's memoir. I think it was really fascinating. Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime, Gabrielle Union's, um, we're going to need more wine. My listeners hear me talk about these books all the time. So y'all just, li if you haven't read them yet, re read them. Or I love to listen to memoirs because there's something incredible. Edie Windsor's book, um, A Wild and Precious Life, even though she was passed by the time it came out, it it is mostly her words with the, the co-writer. Um, incredible. I don't, there are some bossy, bossy pants and, and, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was I'm crazy writing these down. I love memoirs. <laughs> yeah, me too. It, and I like I said, I love listening to them. Have are you f in unfamiliar with some of those? Yes, I have not read any of those. And w what was the second one that you said before, right after Sonia Sotomayor? Oh. It was a guy. Oh, Trevor Noah, Born a Crime. Okay, yes, no, oh, I haven't so read so good. Yet. And and he, it's totally worth listening to because. He uses a lot of African words and um, he does the accents of the people that he's telling stories about. And it's just oh, okay. special. Um, and, and I get – what I love so much about memoirs is I get so much personal training, like human training, inspiration, things I can use for work that I take back to work with my clients or in conversations or on my podcast or whatever – out of every single one. Like I ended up writing an entire blog series off of something that I listened to in Amy Poehler's book. Does that, do you have that experience? Yes. Oh my God. Well, especially when I, since I've been thinking about writing one, I'm constantly trying to read them. So first when I was writing my, my fiction, I was reading everything related to criminal justice or anything written about that, any memoir, any, anything. But now mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, now I've got to start hoarding memoirs because I just really want to read them before I even get started. So, okay. And I've got another one for you, although I, this is embarrassing. I don't remember the name of the book. I interviewed a, a man who was a friend of mine. Our kids went to daycare together. Oh yeah. I, I read his book. I mean, I, I listened to that one. His uh, name is- You listened um, to that one. Omar. Yeah, Omar. Omar Yamini. Yeah. The Theory of Accountability. Yes. Um, I ordered it His already. book is a really quick read. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I love that you did that because if you're in, into the, I mean, the prison system, this story is just outrageous. There, Absolutely. have you read, I mean, if you like, um, that like genre, there's, um, the master plan by Chris Wilson and also the sun. I'm, I'm like turning my head to look at my books because I have my favorite ones behind me. The sun does shine by, mm. um, Anthony Ray Hinton. 
he was on death row for 20 years or something crazy or 40 years, something ridiculous. Um, and uh, Just Mercy, which also just came out, but that's amazing. Um, and then off that criminal justice system, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite all-time books um, that I've gifted to all my friends for Christmas, like for a couple years in a row, just to make sure they're writing, um, reading it, is Half a Life by Darren Strauss. Okay. Oh my God. It's the fastest read. It's three hours. It took me to sit down and just read that book. And it's, um, okay. he says it right in the beginning about how when, when, when he was 16, he killed a girl. Oh my God. Yes. And he was driving in a car and the bike went in front of him and she went to his high school and it was just his life since that. And, you know, I've since met him and he is just a delightful man. He teaches at Columbia and I just, uh, he's, is it Columbia? No, uh, NYU, maybe. Anyway, sorry, get this right. But yeah, so those books have really hugely made a difference in my writing. So many things. This is totally like listeners, like we're all over the place, but it's good stuff. And I know you all are into this. So we're going to link to all of these books in the show notes. Uh, so don't, you don't have to furiously write them all down. You can just go to the, to the website and find them. We're going to have all of that. So you got into helping prisoners write memoirs, right? Teaching memoir writing to prisoners just simply because of kind of an interest and a, a passion in the criminal justice system? So it, I didn't necessarily have this crazy passion until I heard a TEDx talk um, at a school in here in Miami. There was a TEDx talk where one of the professors was doing an exchange with um, another group uh, called Exchange for Change. And this group, Exchange for Change, goes into the prisons around town, youth prisons, the women's prison, the men's prison, and um, and brings writing classes into the yeah. prison. And I was like, I'm in. I walked straight up to him after he was done, and I said, I want to, I want to do this. I want to volunteer. I love it. It's really cool. So it, we actually, I, I at the time, like I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I thought it would. It sounded cool, and. But ever since, I, I I could not, I look forward to it every Friday. I drive 45 minutes down to Homestead to get, you know, into this prison, deal with the guards, deal with all the rigmarole, and just so that I can sit with these men and write stories with them. And they are my favorite thing to do all week. I look forward to it. I love that. I really, really love that. I do think those stories are incredible. And... um I'm so passionate about criminal justice reform across the board and the compassion that goes into that. I am amazed, Allison, that you have not written your story. What do you think what do you think has stopped you from writing your own story when you're so passionate about everybody else's? You know, I've written I've written a little bit for various publications that has incorporated like some of the loss of my daughter. And some of this writing in prison and how writing with them has really helped me through it. But then this whole cancer thing comes up and I'm like, ah, yeah. you know, I keep having these lessons, I think that I'm supposed to learn. And then just with single mom with three kids and all these other things I was doing, I've recently retired from photography because when I got cancer, I was like, okay, too much. I need to get yeah. some of this out of my life. So yeah. that is done. 25 years of photography and I have to put something aside. Yeah. Um, so I have. And I think now I need to open space to really sit down and and write about this. But I, I think it's going to – I'm not really sure. 
Do you have any ideas? It's, what would be interesting to uh, well, you? Well, yeah, I'm like dying to coach you, actually. I'm like, I want to know what's in the way. Like, what's the block? Mm-hmm. But um, in, in, or, in order to not coach you on my on my podcast, we can, we can set something me. up if you yeah, want to talk about it. Yeah, we can set up a it. private session. Separately, um, photo- was photography your main source of income? Yes. So how are you providing for your family? <sighs> well... Money has always been a stress, although I have spent, like, because I had children late, I worked and I put a ton of money, socked a bunch of money away and I had inherited a bunch of money. So I had a little bit of investment money that was helping me. And, but I never wanted to rely on that solely. I wanted to make money for myself. And it was this huge stress I put on myself when it wasn't a hundred percent necessary to be making money. But what I really needed to do is make make a difference and do really yeah. great things in this world and stop worrying so much about okay. where the money was so going to come from. So you are in a situation where it's okay to not necessarily um, have an income-providing career. It does not mean you don't have a career. You obviously do. Right. I mean, uh, it's, it's a, just saying this to you, hearing your question and answering it is a huge like step in the in the right direction just to say, yes, I'm okay has taken me many, many years. And I think an entire six months of chemo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So let's chat for a second, Allison, about the cancer diagnosis. So it's stage three ovarian cancer. This is a serious cancer. Yes. Um, Yes. So before I even start, I just want to tell every single person out there, when you go to get every woman who, when you go to get your annual exam, just let them know you are having some pain and want an ultrasound because there is no screening for ovarian cancer. The only way to find it is with an ultrasound. And then once you have pain, it's too late. Really? I thought that is exactly what a pap smear checked for. No. was Mm-mm. ovarian cancer. What the no. hell did they check for? How do I know a 45-year-old woman? I've been having annual screening since I was 18 years old. They're not the looking they at your ovaries. For? They're looking at your uterus, like inside the uterus, they're looking around and making sure everything's okay. No, I've, I've had annual pap smears forever. No one's ever found this. And they think I had had it for like years because I had had other symptoms like digestion issues, gas, bloating, all that stuff. But once I already felt like pain in my side, it was too late. It had already spread. Wow. Yeah. That's terrifying. Um, what what's that moment like for you, single mom of three, uh, doing all of this incredible work, and you get this diagnosis? What's that moment like for you? Ugh. I was in the car picking up my son from camp. We were riding home, and my um, OB called, my GYN, my doctor called, and she said, I have some bad news. Um. You know, we had done some scans and tests and everything like that, but they were like, oh, they'll probably be fine. They're probably fine. But then when the CA-125 came back, which is a marker for ovarian cancer in your blood, um, she said, you have ovarian cancer. And I just, my whole, like, all I could think about, like, is who is going to take care of my kids? Yeah. That was the first thought. And I, it was awful. It was really awful. Yeah. I... I am not sure I can even imagine. I don't I don't I don't want to imagine. Like I just don't ever want to be in a position to have to think of that. I am so so sorry. Uh I'll ask the obvious question. Who would take care of your kids? 
I have some friends. I mean, obviously I've done being a single parent, I've done yeah. like some, you know, estate planning and I have a friend, my one of my best friends who has said she would, would take my kids, but they, she doesn't live here. She lives in California. And at this mm. point, my kids are old enough to say, well, we don't want to go to California. We love her, but we don't want to go to California. So there's another friend here who said she would also take them. I mean, there are friends who I have great friends. I have really, really great friends. I, I no way could have done this and gotten through my life this far without my support group of friends. And they have said they would take them. I mean, obviously, I don't want to split them up, but there are people in my community. My my dad is also alive, but he's 82. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like, wh- who can take it? Who's ever going to love your kids like you do? That's been my question. No like, yes, one. they can take yeah. care of them, but ugh. So yeah. that's been one of my motivations just to fight my ass off. Yeah. You're, you have a, an incredible attitude about it. So you went through six months of chemo, and where are you now with your health? So firstly, I like I had already stopped doing like gluten and dairy and sugar because I had digestion issues. So I was like, sure. all right, let me try this. Let me try that. Like most people will do when they're not feeling well. But at that point, I went completely plant-based. I was like a crazy person with making sure everything was clean and um, healthy. And I kept exercising and I did everything I possibly could. And I started meditating like crazy. I started working with um, a therapist who could walk me through some of the the trauma and the things I had not dealt with. So yes, I was writing about them, but they were still a big lump in my body. And I needed to work through them. And as a coach, I'm sure you know these. You see your people who are not working through these past things, which is why you wanted to ask me why I haven't dealt with this yet. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think we're all sort of like skating through life thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to think about that now. But I just pushed it down and moved on because I had to. Yeah. But I I, I know that I cannot do that anymore. And um, now I feel the pain when it comes up. Okay. So yesterday... Um, so as you know, we have this podcast and people submit stories to us. So yesterday I started going through our submissions and one of the stories I clicked on was a story this woman told of her, her son who had the exact same illness. She described the exact same situation I did, how her son choked and wasn't breathing and somebody had to come help. And, but fortunately her son survived and it was like my story, but with a really nice twist. But I was like, I, this visceral reaction, my whole body tensed up. And I was like, where are you feeling this? Where are you feeling this? You know, like I was trying so hard to deal with it. And, um, it was, it was really amazing. I, I was able to take it all in and feel it and then find a place for it and let it go. Wow. So I was like, okay, yes, I'm doing good. Yeah, that's incredible. I love the the whole practice of like physically feeling your emotions and then knowing how to work through them because of where you feel them. That level of body work is incredible. I did an interview with a woman named Lynn, and I'll have to look it up and we'll put it in the show notes. I don't remember which episode it was. Uh, and that's the kind of work that she does. And I just think that is incredible. And And I have started to, in the last six months or so, feel my intuition physically. Kind of random, funny, interesting story. We have um, currently 
And by the time this airs, it'll be long finished, but we have construction happening. We had a huge plumbing issue in our house. Uh, Our second floor bathroom, and we only have two, needed to be completely gutted. And there was going to be a lot of damage to the rooms around it and all sorts of things happening. And we had it down to two different contractors. And one contractor was a little bit less expensive, and we decided to go forward with him. And so I reached out to him to say we were going to move forward, and then I instantly started to have terrible stomach pains. And I, I was like, something's wrong. This doesn't feel right. I don't know what's wrong. So I called my partner, and I said, I can't do this. He's not the right one. I can't do this. So we hired the other one. Well, now this guy, we're in the middle of the pandemic. I need to get my kids home. This guy's working till 1 a.m. This guy's working his ass off to get my place back to me. And I'm like, there's my intuition is smart. It's sharp. Our bodies know what they're doing. I just got chills all over my body. Yeah. 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 It's amazing to me. And so that's all there. Everybody has the ability to do that, I think, on some level, um, if they work at it. Would you agree? Oh, my God. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would love to know from you, Allison. I mean, it's a lot. Choosing to have babies on your own, which is, I think, incredibly brave and wonderful. Doing this writing, supporting these these folks in the prison system, um, starting the podcast, telling your story, losing a child. There are so many things. What would you say has been the biggest pleasant surprise to come out of, of any or all of this for you? There's a couple things, but I would, you know, I grew up with a lot of like a great mom, but very critical and judgmental. And I feel Mm. like I have that myself a lot. And even my podcast partner, Andrea, will always say, it's like you're in high school still. You're always judging everybody. And, you know, these, she had been teaching for years and years. And um, once I became a teacher myself, I realized, and especially hearing everybody's stories, I realized how similar we all are to one another. And it has really opened up my heart to people I would never have chosen as friends or thought I would be friends with. And it's really helped me understand so, so much more um, how alike we all are. And um, especially so in the prison system. So I never thought I would be sitting with these guys feeling like we had so much in common. And and most of them are African-American or Hispanic. And I am not. I did not grow up, um, you know, financially deprived like many of them. And I hadn't had to been forced to make the the decisions they they have had. Absolutely. Yeah. And so by hearing their stories and understanding them, I am less judgmental and critical. I just sit there and love them. I just want and I know they some of them have done really heinous things and some of them are there because they were associated with people who did really bad things. But they are, many of them, really good people who deserve another chance. And I feel like just at least by sitting with them, I, I can learn from them and enjoy them and, you know, pretend they're in our society, at yeah. least, you know, a contributing member. It is a really beautiful silver lining. I love that you shared that Um one of my earlier interviews was with a woman named Robin Carroll who started an organization called um, I Grow Chicago in, in the peace, a peace house in one of the quote unquote most dangerous neighborhoods in Chicago, Inglewood. And she went into the community and said to folks, um, do you want to take your community back? What led her to it is she was teaching yoga 
in the inner city school systems. And she started to realize the kids who most needed the yoga weren't showing up to school, whether it was because it hadn't been valued or they couldn't actually get there or they were, you know, expelled or whatever the reason. So she went in search of those kids and and saw this community that was really struggling. And everybody stepped up. And so then they raised the funds to fix this house and to fix up this block in Inglewood. And it's just one of the most incredible. If you ever come to Chicago, let me take you to the Peace House because it's one of the most incredible things ever. And she tells this story in the interview I did with her where they put a community garden together. And the neighborhood kids in particular were terrified to eat the things that came out of the dirt. They didn't trust the dirt. Uh, you know, a bag of chips felt safer to them than something they grew. And so they had to teach the kids about growing their own plants and flowers and things. And the community members were painting a fence. And a, a person walked up to her and he said, you know, the man next to you is a murderer, right? And she said, not today. He's not. Today mm. he's painting a community garden. I love that. And that reminds me of what you said, like whatever they've done – whatever they choices maybe they felt like they didn't have an option on it's just really hard to judge when we come from our our pay, place of privilege and to learn to not stand in judgment but to just stand and listen is such a gift oh absolutely i i want to i want to listen to that episode oh it's great it's called growing peace i don't know what number it is but it's early on if you go back and listen okay to one of the first few episodes um yeah, I love that. I love you. I just, I wish Aww. I could give you a big hug right now. <laughs> Thank you. Big virtual social distancing hug. Hopefully by the time this airs, we will not be social distancing anymore. <laughs> God, I hope so. Oh, this is torture. I know, and they're closing the beaches and they're closing this. And I'm like, my kids and I finally, like we went to the beach and watched the sunset. It was really fun. Yeah, just stay six feet apart. It's spreading like wildfire. This stuff is insane. Um I would love, you know, there have been so many challenges for you, but so many triumphs for you. How do you celebrate big and small successes of, of any kind? Ugh. That's such a good question. I, I mean, it's a, if, it's a, if it's a small thing, like after my, my PET scan, I went and had Miami's Best Pizza, like my favorite pizza ever because yeah. I'm not eating gluten or cheese. And I was like, hell, I'm going out and eating pizza. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Um, I planned some vacations. I'm just like celebrating life by taking, doing the things I love and making me the happiest. And I think, so, you know, my birthday every year, I just, I get together with my favorite friends. I made these hats that have elephants on them, um, like camo hats with elephants. And, um, and we're actually raising, well, we'll get to there because I know that you have, um, you, you, yes, I'm going to ask you that in just a minute. Yeah. Okay, though. <laughs> but, um, I, I really bought all these elephant things for my friends because in the wild, the female elephants gather around a woman, you know, the other female elephants who are either in trouble or giving birth and they protect them. And that's what all my girlfriends did. And so I, these 20, 25 girls have accompanied me to chemo and they've like taken notes at all my doctor's appointments and they brought food and brought produce and anything I needed showed up. They took my kids, they did everything for me so that I could just heal. And for those of my friends and more who have all jumped on the train, I just try to like love them up, buy them elephant things, spend time with them, take walks with them. And I think me just like celebrating one-on-one -on -one with friends is the way I love to celebrate life. I love that. I love it a lot. That's a really, really magical way to celebrate 
I can't wait to hear the elephant story. That's so great. Thank you for sharing that with us. I hope you're celebrating all all the time. I celebration is partnered with gratitude, which is partnered with mindset, and there is real science behind that healing us in so many ways. Um, so I hope that's something you do a lot of. Well, I'm going to do more of it now because you said so. Okay. And I'm going to do it because you're right. It's important and we need to celebrate. I'm always like, ah, eh, whatever. But you know what? I'm listening to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> um, all right, Allison, I'm ready to hear about this charity of yours because uh, you, you gave us a little teaser on it. What is your favorite charitable organization to support? Okay. Can I say two? Because I just am in love with these two organizations. <laughs> yes, you can. Okay. So one is Exchange for Change. I mentioned it earlier, is about um, bringing writing into the prisons and how important education is. And I just, I love these people so much. They're they're a family and they are busting their ass for our world, making our world better. Because it's not just that these guys are in prison. It's like, guess what? They're coming out. So let's help yes. them be better yes, people. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Yeah. Yes. And the other one is the Pink Wig Project. And they, that they're, the Pinkwood Project benefits breast cancer. Obviously, I have ovarian, but when I went, knew that my hair was going to be falling out, I started looking for like a fun pink wig and I found them on the internet and I loved their story. So when I did these elephant hats, we took all the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, and we sent them all the money from all these hats because people wanted to buy the hats for their own herd. So all the money we took and we sent it to the pink wig project and um mm. the woman who started it did end up passing away last year but her husband is just devoted to cancer research and he's taking all the money that they get in donations and you know funneling it directly into cancer research to help wow. the world be a better place with cancer free hopefully one day yeah I love that. So we will um, give them lots of love, make them charity of the week. Um, we can do too. We've done that on a handful of occasions. So y'all go get to know them. Uh, take your social responsibility seriously. How can you stand and listen instead of stand in judgment? How can you stand up and speak up and support and give back and not sit in silence and in fear? We are required. It is our moral obligation right now to do those things. And we're sunk if we don't. We have to all be in this together, folks. So check out these organizations, check out similar ones that are close to you uh, and give them whatever kind of love you can give them. Thanks for sharing that with us, Allison. Thank you. You know, also I, I was like, you know, everybody's on a budget. I mean, I don't care if you're loaded, you're still sort of like, well, we're... everybody's on a budget. Yeah, absolutely. There are lots of ways to share the love. Yes. There's so many ways. I mean, they just need help like sharing things on social media sometimes, speaking about it, writing about it. I mean, you can do stuff that doesn't cost a dime. Absolutely. I say that. Even if what you sh what you can share is a social media like, um, that counts. It all counts. Everything. Just show up is all I'm trying to say is just show up. Yeah. 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 Well, what you're doing is amazing too, bringing all these people on and sharing all this great information. And I, I mean, I know because I have my own podcast, it is not roll it, bring it in the big bucks. It's really a labor of love. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Please support us on Patreon listeners. I did not plant that with Allison, I promise, but patreon.com slash brave files because it's not making any money actually. So yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Now, tell folks how they can listen to your show. So we're at um, 
writingclassradio.com. We are um, on iTunes, every, any place you can find your podcast. Um, we offer also lots of writing classes. Um, I personally have a Tuesday, 12 to 1 Eastern Standard Time. You can jump on and write with a group. And sometimes we have 10 people. Sometimes we have 30 people. It doesn't, and Love it's it. right now we're offering, well, by the time they hear this, and if they say that they came from your podcast, they'll always get a free month, but we're trying awesome. to get people to, to jump on and meet other writers. And it doesn't matter if you've been writing for a hundred years or 10, you get your 30 minutes of writing and some people get to share and get feedback. So it's, you know, jump on because there's lots of free stuff. Also, cool. In addition yeah, to that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with everybody. We got a lot of folks who are writers or who want to be writers. Um, so you guys check this out. Take advantage of it. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, Allison, will you share your three words with us one last time? Fearless, self-reliant, and loyal. Excellent words, although I we, they were joking. I'm anti-fearless. Uh, Why? I, I want to hear. Yeah, I... The only people that I know are fearless are sociopaths and three-year-olds. And I would not say you're fearless. I would say you're brave. We have fear. We feel fear. My entire job is helping people listen to their fear and dissect it and understand what their fear is telling them and use it to inform them and then leverage that fear into intentional bravery. Because when we choose bravely on purpose, we choose bigger, we win bigger, and it's contagious. And so I would like to eradicate the world fearless because that means you're, there's no thought in it. It means you're not intentional about it. You just don't feel fear. And that's not true. Okay. Can I change the word then? <laughs> You can change the word. We're going to keep it because this is a great conversation to keep it short. Sure, I love you can it. Yes, it. for sure. Keep it because I love being a good writing, a good example. Please make an example of me always. I love it. <laughs> um, it's how about fierce? Fierce is a great word. Okay. And you are fierce. fierce and you are brave and you are doing the thing. You are an incredible living example of not sitting down. You are you are active in your life and in in making your life as successful and as enjoyable as possible and sharing that with everyone around you. I just think you're a force and a light and you are fierce. So um, I dig it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I can't wait to binge listen to your podcast. Um, I may even join the writing group. Do it. Do it. Oh, my God. Okay. And also, I wanted to ask you this. Are all your rates and everything, like your coaching stuff? Because I, I just love you. I, I oh, wanna... thank you. Well, I'll tell you what. When we're done recording, we'll stay on and we'll chat about it for a second. Um, because my rates are not on online, it's always um, shared after a conversation because that's always more important to talk first than to talk about money first. So. Uh, but thank you for asking me that question. Listeners, are you inspired? Because I am. I think this is incredible. You can do hard things, folks. You can do hard things. You are already doing hard things. I hope you love this episode. I'd like to hear your feedback. Give us a call at 312-646-0205 and let us know what you think. I really meant it about the Patreon, patreon.com slash Brave Files. Join our Brave movement and help me keep this going because what we're doing is incredible and we cannot do it without you. Allison, thank you for being here. This was wonderful. I'm so excited to share this episode with everybody. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I can't wait right. to share it with everyone too. <laughs> awesome. I, I love I appreciate that. We need all the sharing we can get. All right, folks, this is Heather Vickery reminding you today and every single day to go out and choose bravely. 
Hey friends, I want to share something really exciting with you. We already know you enjoy listening to podcasts because you're listening to this one, but I'm also betting you enjoy audiobooks. And hey, listen, if you don't already enjoy audiobooks, then it's time to check them out. That's why I'm really excited to share Libro.fm with you. They are an incredible new platform for listening to audiobooks. And by choosing Libro.fm over other audiobook services, you are supporting a local bookstore of your choice and investing in your local community. Libro.fm offers over 150,000 audiobooks via their primary platform, which, by the way, they built with love and from scratch because they're a small business also. They even offer bookseller recommendations for great audiobook options. You can sign up right now via www.vickeryandco.com slash librofm. That's vickeryandco.com slash L-I-B-R-O-F-M. And when you do, you'll get one free audiobook of your choice and the proceeds will go to your favorite local bookstore. Now, check what I just said there. You're going to get a free book and the proceeds are still going to go to your local bookstore because Libro.fm makes sure that their booksellers get paid even when they give a promo to customers. I've listened to over 20 audiobooks this year alone. I especially love listening to memoirs read by the author, and it feels great knowing that all of my purchases support my local bookstore, The Book Table, in Oak Park, Illinois. Libro.fm. The same audiobooks, the same price, but a completely different story. Check them out right now at vickeryandco.com slash librofm. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes, or get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we'd love to know what you think. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery & Co. Success Coaching, coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music is produced by Matt Lewis. Follow him on Instagram at mattmmusic or visit his website, theunionband.com. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to our associate producer, Kim Statler. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week.